Welcome to Chit Chat Money. Today, we have an interview with Chris, our friend from Growth to Value. You may know him as his pseudonym. Um, and we have, uh, we've talked about his marketplace on here before, potential multi-baggers. So multi, multi-time guests, um, and we're talking about Upstart, which is kind of a popular company. A lot of people tend to follow it. And we've talked about it once before as a not so deep dive. Um, so you can pair it with both episodes, yeah. maybe if you wanted to listen to that for maybe more of the basics of, say, kind of the income statement, some of the basic valuation numbers, at least at the time, uh, more of the basics <laughs> in that episode. And this yeah. one's more of the deeper dive of kind of the competitive landscape, all that type of stuff. We kind of go for the hard hitting questions with Chris. Before we get to that, though, we want to talk about our friends, our sponsor, Quarter. Where you can listen to Upstart's conference calls on. Actually, yes, you can. Uh, and that's where I list all my conference calls. It's the most intuitive solution. It's, I think, maybe the only mobile solution. And they have an iPad app that I like to use to read on. Yes, because uh, they have the transcripts. Yeah. So they've got the, they've got all conference calls for basically any company you might want. They've got, uh, so the conference calls, transcripts, and investor presentations. Am I blanking on anything else? No, but they're adding other stuff. Um, they try to make it the comprehensive connect, you know, like any sort of thing that a company puts out connect that with investors very yeah. easily in all one central place because, you know, it can be difficult on the investor relations page. Some of them are very good, but some of them can be quite poor. So quarter is trying to improve that for you. Yeah. And they're growing really fast. It's been fun to watch them uh, kind of gain traction among the investment community, but you can download it uh, on iOS or Android. It's quarter, Q-U-A-R-T-R, no E, quarter. And uh, you can also follow them on Twitter at quarter underscore app. Before we get to the show real quick, uh, let's just mention that you can still use our code, our holiday code, ChitChat, if you're considering a seven investing uh, uh, subscription annual, you get $50 off. Go ahead, use it. It's a time offer. Love. Yep. Time offer. Uh, it ends at the new year. So get it in while you can. Without further ado, let's get to the show. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. All right, today we are welcomed by, I want to say, almost fourth or fifth time guest now. Uh, you've probably heard us talk about his service, potential multi-baggers, but it's Chris from Growth to Value. Uh, we've had him on the show plenty of times, and today we're talking Upstart. Uh, before we get into what they do and kind of how you came across it, how have you been? It's been, I want to say, six months since we last spoke? No, five, five, I think. Yeah. So how have you been? Uh, great. I mean... Uh... I'm enjoying uh, the markets, uh, unlike a lot of people, I think. But I see, uh, I see the businesses uh, of the stock that I have picked uh, doing great. Uh, the stocks themselves, you know, they fluctuate, of course. But uh, that's you know, that's that's temporary. Uh, if you zoom out, you see that uh, the businesses are are doing great, and, and the same trends that you know were there in February at the top of of this growth market. Let's let's call it. Uh, are still there, uh, although people often judge on uh, on price on price, of course, um, often because they do not have enough other information uh, about the businesses that they own uh, or part own. Uh, but I think uh, you know I, I I keep seeing the same things coming back and back and back. All right. Well, and today we're talking Upstart. How did you how did you find Upstart? Um, and when did you first, uh, I guess, become attracted to it? Um, I often, I often look at, uh, IPOs. When, I mean, um, when a new company comes to the, to the market, I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not pretending <laughs> that, I, that I read uh, the whole, uh, S1 or so, of course not. I don't have the time to read everything, but, um, I look at what kind of company is this and, and what does it do, et cetera. And um, uh, I never buy IPOs, by the way, uh, because of you know the incentive. Um, you always have to, you always have to 
to ask yourself, you know, um, who who is the beneficiary of this? And if if you look at IPO um, banks and uh, you know institutional holders and so so they hype up a company or a stock, uh, new stock, as much as possible, you know, to be able to sell it at an as high of uh, the price should be as high as possible for them because they they are the ones who are selling you uh, something. So that's one of the reasons that I and another important one is that I you know I want to see some quarterly results. Um, but when I I saw the the uh, you know the S one of um, of Upstart, I, you know I, I was quite interested in. Um, um, in it, and I, I put it on my uh, personal watch list. The reason that I was interested is I thought, you know, it, it makes sense to um, to see a business that tackles a problem um, with AI. And, you know, um, a FICA score, I mean, for, first and for all, as far as I know, is only, you know, broadly used in uh, the U.S., um, in Europe, uh, I mean, I, I live in Europe, as you as you know, um, and um, I, I don't have a FICO score. Uh, of course, banks do have their own systems, which are very, you know, untransparent. Um, but um, there is no FICO score, so that's that's one thing, um, and um, or, or not in the same way, you know, uh, as in the US, where you can easily know your FICO score, and. Um, then uh, the second thing is it's very deterministic that FICO score. What I mean is that um, you know you get a, you get put a number on on you, and it can you know can be something of the past. You know maybe you have problems paying your student loan for one reason or, or the other, and I, I mean what does that mean five years later, ten years later? Maybe not that much. I mean, you probably have changed a lot, especially from that age. Um, so I, I think um, it's it's a um, it's a problem, um, you know, for people who uh, are consumers in that way. But it's you know, every problem is a, an opportunity. And I thought, you know, um, it, it would it would make sense to to tackle that problem with AI. And of course, AI is is you know, it's a buzzword. And um, you know, with with those kind of hypes, you have two dangers. Um, and the one danger is that you know it's already <laughs> in what I said. People get hyped up. Oh yeah, AI, AI. The other danger is you know the complete opposite. Oh, it's AI. You know, let's throw it away. Um, you always have to see the gray between the the black and the white. And um, and I thought in this case, it made sense. And you can call it AI, you can call it big data, you can call it whatever you want, but it makes sense to try to make this better with, you know, data. Um, and, and that's why I was interested. And then, um, you know, I was uh, very impressed by the founders as well, especially, uh, you know, uh, Dave Gerard and, uh, and, and Paul Gu. You have Anna Councilman as well, but I mean, she came from Google. So it's not that uh, uh, she did. She is not impressive, but um, especially Gerard and uh, and Gu are you know the guys to watch here. Um, and um, I, I, it was a combination of those things that you know really made me look at it. And then uh, you know when the those first results came out and they they blew the expectations out of the water completely um, twice in a row. Uh, you know. I, then I really researched it much deeper, and and uh, you know, then I read the S one completely, and uh, and all the rest. I uh, understood interviews and uh, etc. So that's a bit uh, my story uh, with uh, with Upstart. And for for any of the listeners that don't know what Upstart does, can you just explain the business model broadly? Yeah, well, um, Upstart is actually a loan originator. Um, well, it means it uh, it gets is it gets revenue. Um, its its revenue comes from banks um, who pay a fee to get that loan. That's you know, that's probably the the easiest way that I can explain. 
Um, and one of the one of the things uh, initially, my my first reaction was, "Well, I'm not interested." That was my initial reaction, and um, but but because of those great results, I, I really looked deeper, and I I, I thought I, I started thinking because of that link with Google, uh, both from uh, uh, you know Dave Gerard and um, and a councilman, I started thinking, "Well, isn't this much a business like Google?" In a way that you know, um, um, in, in a way, Upstart is a form of marketing. Actually, so uh, Upstart doesn't have loans. Well, it has about you know two percent or three percent uh, loans on its own balance sheet, but only for you know experimental reasons. So they first test their AI on capital that you know they have on their uh, in their books to show the results to the banks. So they, you know, a bank is a very conservative institution and they want to see results first before they want to try it out. That's, that's the reason why Upstart takes a little bit, uh, you know, of credit risk, but, you know, two or 3%. And, and that's for experimental reasons only. Uh, but, but for the rest, actually, uh, you can see Upstart as a connector between uh, people who want to loan and, banks or credit unions uh, who want to, you know, give a loan. And um, using AI there to make the best combination of the two really makes sense to me. So uh, I, I think that's in part. And then, of course, um, you know, the bank who gets the loan gets, um, you know, uh, gives a, 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 a part of that. Uh, it gives a fee and um, you know, it depends on, on, on the bank, I think, but uh, just a very small part of that uh, loan is given um, back to Upstart as well. It depends really, but uh, it can be 0%, it can be 0.1, it can be 1% or 2%. I think that's the highest. But um, So uh, it's actually Upstart, you could say, is actually an algorithm like Google was an algorithm to connect to markets that's that's for me um um you know the 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 reason um that um i, I see i see that you know connection with with Google. and uh if you if you if you look at what was you know what was the advantage that google had it was i don't remember exactly but uh, a few milliseconds faster than other uh search engines right and it has, you know, better insights. And that's actually what Upstart has as well. So it's not faster, but it has uh, a higher quality of uh, loans compared to its competitors. So um, that's um, that's more or less um, the business model of, of uh, Upstart. So it connects um, people who, you know, who look for uh, a loan and people who, or banks, institutions, credit unions, who, um, you know, who grant loans. And they try to do that in the best possible way for, uh, for both. So that means that, you know, if you are a bank, you know, if you use Upstart, that you have either um, more people who you can give, uh, you know, a loan to, uh, or uh, you have the same, you know, number of people, but with, you know, much less defaults. And um, if you know that, you'd probably know that, you know, uh, if, if, you know, if, if I would take a loan or you take a, a loan, uh, you know, we'll probably pay it back, right? But we will have to um, pay some extra, not for our own credit risk, both for that of others. So actually the people who pay their loans actually have to pay extra to, you know, you know, to, to make up for, for the losses. And, um, you know, that's, that's how banks and credit unions, you know, make a profit on loans as well. And if you can reduce the number of defaults, you know, you can also reduce, uh, you know, the, 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 the APR. So the, the percentage that you have to pay each year. So, 
Right. That makes total sense. And the big advantage that everyone talks about is Upstart's AI-driven underwriting model, the data-driven underwriting model. Um, they talk about the big spreadsheet. I think they joke about that uh, in their conference calls and stuff like that. The, let's start things off with kind of a big question that people think about here. How hard do you think it would be for someone to compete with their model and replicate it? Well, um, it's always, you know, with AI, you're, you're you know, people, I, I hear a lot of people say, oh, you're, you're essentially, you know, getting a black box or you have to believe it or, and, and that's to a certain extent, that's true. Uh, on the other hand, you, you can, you know, look at secondary um, parameters to see if, if the results are, are good, which they clearly are for Upstart, um, you know, and, and I think um, artificial intelligence, AI is just starting out. I think we'll see a lot, you know, much more or much more companies using it. And um, the problem is you cannot see how the mechanics work. If you Google, you see, oh, this is fast and, you know, uh, but on the other hand, there's a big part of Google that you don't see as well. I think that's the same thing with uh, Upstart. So it's, you know, it's, um, I, I don't use the, the, the platform of the trade desk, for example. I don't use the, the platform of CrowdStrike, for example, but, you know, they are, uh, I hear people uh, using them saying they're good. I have to believe that. I especially look at their results and the results of the trade desk and of CrowdStrike are extremely good much better than, you know, their competitors, especially of the same size. And that's how I look at Upstart as well. So I um, I see that. Now, coming back on, is it difficult to, um, to make that AI? I think it is um, because, um, um, you know, Paul Gu is, is a, you know, is, is a, a great, a great, um, you know, programmer. Um, one of so he has developed does that mean you know um that he's a saint and he, that's the reason why um you know you should buy a upstart for your portfolio no i mean um there are lots of great developers who are not you know invest worthy because they don't have enough uh, you know sense of business now um the um, the cf the CFPB, so um, the, what was it again? The Consumer Financial um, Euro um, Board. Pro prote protection, protection Bureau. Oh. Yeah, that's it. Um, um, they, um, so th that's a, you know, a government institution. Um, they issued a letter saying uh, in 2017, this AI is um, good enough. And what I mean is, uh, we're not going um, uh, after this after this one uh, to, to sue it or whatever. Uh, 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 Upstart is the only one who has that letter. And um, the reason is that they um, have worked with uh, the CFPB to um, to make sure that there is no bias for any, you know, let's call it um, um, you know, taboo, right? So it, it, it doesn't discriminate on um, gender, on race, on um, the, the area that you live in, whatever. So um, this is very important to understand because um, it's not easy to get that letter. Now, if it would be just that letter, Okay, that, that would already be a hurdle. But there's a second hurdle. I mean, um, to get that letter is, is, is a big hurdle. But one of, the, um, one of the things, one of the conditions, one of the things that Upstart had to do was they had to update um, the CFEB um, on a regular basis. That is how it was in the letter. And that means that Paul Gu or someone on his team has been sitting together with the committee every week 
every week to evaluate. And each week they get critical questions. You know, if you're Paul Gu and you are a good programmer and you get constant feedback like that every single week, I mean, I mean you, you will uh, improve your algorithm, AI, or what, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's, it's great feedback. So um, if people say that uh, Upstart has a, a data advantage, for me, it's not just, oh, we have this much data of customers. It's much more that, you know, uh, it has been criticized every week. There are no biases in that AI. And, you know, in the meantime, we have seen that it works. And uh, Upstart has, um, you know, has done a test. And um, it's, it's if, you, if you take on the same credit risk as, uh, you know, what, what, we, what you would do now, there's 75% less uh, uh, chance uh, for, a, for a default, right? 75%, which is impressive, of course. Now, could banks come up, come up um, with such an AI? Suppose one does. Suppose one of the big, we're talking about the big banks then, right? Uh, I mean, nobody thinks, I think, that, you know, a smaller credit union in a local community, you know, will do that, right? So we're talking about, you know, Wells Fargo, JP Morgan, what, what have you. Suppose that they could do it. Suppose that they, you know, pass that first hurdle and that they, you know, get the same letter. Um, they will still have to, you know, um, you know, th those four years, more, more than four years of, you know, constant uh, questions, you know, they, they still would have to do that. But, okay, it's JP Morgan or whatever, whoever, um, they could do it much faster, let's say a year or so. So now you have Upstart, which has an AI model that works to it, and JPM that has the same, more or less, right? So this is hypothetical. This is maybe two years, three years out. Um, now, what will the rest of the big banks do? They will try to come with their own AI model, of course. Now, will there be another one succeeding? I have my doubts. I mean, yes, they, they will come up with AI. Will they take those two hurdles as well? I'm not so sure. And at the moment that one of the big banks, let's, you know, let's take JPM, at the moment that they have that AI, the other big banks will have to follow. They will have to follow. And, you know, they, they can come up with their own AI, which may or may not be as great, right? Uh, or they could even partner with Upstart or take their API because they can also integrate um, uh, the software of Upstart in their bank like an API. So that's a, a, a part of the code um, that you just, you know, use on your side and then it, it it's it's all branded like it's your own but you know um upstart would get um or it, it already has that api by the way um so it, it would get a you know a certain part of the revenue you know the twilio model is the same thing there so i mean i think uh, and also of course no big bank you know um We'll go to JP Morgan Chase in the hypothetical example and say, oh, well, I like you. You are my friend. I want to take your model as well. Of course not. So I think that people underestimate how difficult it is if you see the, the full context. And if you see if there would be one big bank having their own AI, it could even be an advantage for Upstart because other banks, you know, will have to have their own AI, which is as good as their, you know, big competitor, or they will have to come up with something else. So, I mean, it's not something that I'm particularly worried about because of the hurdles, because of, you know, the time that it takes, you know, to, to get it to that same level of quality. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly aware that 
big banks have lots of data, but they don't have the structured data that is that, that are used in uh, AI because you know random data doesn't mean anything. You really have to structure those data. Even if they can do that, I mean, there's still lots more to to the picture. So I, I have heard this, you know, I have heard these arguments so many times before, but I think people underestimate how difficult it is if you put it into a context. Right. And that's some great perspective on the competition. And the other big question people have all the time is the quality of loans being originated. People get worried about a financial connected institution or a lender or in Upstart's case, they're not a lender, but they're a lend, they're, you know, enabling lending. Um, you know, how do we track the quality of loans being originated? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> one of the, one of the things that, um, I, ha- I have seen some people coming out with, oh, the, the credit score, the FICO score of, um, of some of those uh, loans are very low. Well, that's exactly the point, right? Um, so um, if you look at, at their business model, the, uh, you, you can either choose. Um, as a, as a, each individual bank, each customer, let's call it, can choose um, between two, you know, two assets that um, uh, Upstart has. So as I said, if you you know take a certain credit score, let's let's say six hundred, right? If you if you would uh, if you would if you are a bank and you say, oh, I only want a FICO score of six hundred and above, um, and you do that through Upstart, your default rate will go down by seventy five percent. I mean, we cannot completely control that, but I mean, even if it's fifty percent, the bank the banks can. Banks can, you know, get the insights, you know, more easily because um, it, it used to take months, um, six months or longer before, uh, you know, uh, a bank, um, you know, they tested it first for six months. And now uh, one of the th- things that uh, Dave Jarrett said on the, on the last earnings call was that, you know, they have had, they, you know, they onboarded uh, a bank now in 50 days. Uh, and in those 50 days, the bank was already convinced that, you know, this works. Um, it used to take months and months and months. Um, so the, the banks will, you know, of course, control if it's true what uh, Upstart claims. And if you, if you read the statements, of course, these are promotional statements in, in you know, PR and, and what have you. But even there you can sense that it's more than just PR talk and there is real enthusiasm in, in, in the statements of, you know, um, people from banks and, and credit unions. Um, so that's, that's one side. You can lower your default rates by 75%. The other possibility is that you say, well, well let's, let's take the same default risk as we have now, right? What you can do is you can lower the credit credit worthiness of your uh, um, you know potential customers by a lot than at that moment. So a, 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 um, a big group which was not um, you know which was not a target because they were too risky now suddenly can become customers. So and those are the two pools that you can work with as a bank. And most banks, you know, choose somewhere between the two and they can adapt that at any moment. So, um, you know, it's not just um, lower, you know, they, they don't take one pool and then stay there. You know, they, they can really turn the buttons there and, and um, you know, look what they see in their results and see what they can come up with that, um works best for them. And, you know, one of the things that we have seen now is that uh, several banks, four already now, have completely, you know, um, uh, you know, done away with um, with uh, the FICO score as one of the, uh, you know, as one of the parameters. So they don't look at a FICO score anymore. They want to look at, you know, the potential of a, of, a, of, you know, of a customer and not at 
his or her past. And that's actually, um, um, you know, how you have to think about the quality of, uh, you know, of the, of, the, of the loans. There will be a, a mix. There will be a mix of uh, lower defaults for banks or a lot, you know, the same default uh, on average, of course, and, uh, but, but a lot more, you know, uh, target customers, let's call it. So that's, that's the two sides that you can play with as a bank. Another question that I think Brad, our, our friend Brad, he, uh, most of the listeners probably know him. He's on the show once every two weeks. He, he mentioned to us to ask this question, which is the customer concentration with Credit Karma. So for the first nine months of this year, 44% of Upstart's loan originations comes from Credit Karma. I'm curious how you think about that. Do you see that as a big risk? It's definitely one of the risks. I mean, there are um, there are a few. Um, now, just to make sure, so everyone understands. So uh, people go to Credit Karma to check their, you know, um, their credit score, credit worthiness, what, what, what have you, and and they are, you know, brought to Upstart's um, uh, platform. Um, it has gone down. I don't remember exactly what it was, uh, but it was more than 50%. So it has come down. Now, I think if you put it in context that it is still a bit of a risk, but, um, you know, uh, Credit Karma has been bought by uh, Intuit. Um, and some people are afraid that Intuit would, you know, set up something competing with Upstart. Is that possible? Yes, of course, that's always possible. Nothing is impossible in business, right? But it's, I think, unlikely. One of the reasons that I think it's unlikely is that, you know, um, Intuit has paid, I think, eight and a half billion um, to get Credit Karma. If they would do away with Upstart, it's half of the revenue. And it would have to do away with the other, you know, um, the other customers of Credit Karma as well, because they they would be competing as well. So they would actually annihilate Credit Karma completely, uh, their 8.5 billion acquisition. That's one of the reasons that I think it's unlikely that Intuit will start something like that. Uh, if it would do it, it would probably remain um, you know, as as diversified as possible, but I, I don't see them going into this anytime soon uh, because of you know the acquisition and, and um, I think that um, Intuit could come up with loans, but I'm not sure if they would come up with. I think they would probably focus on business loans and and not so much on you know personal loans etc but you know it's the future is always um, a surprise to everyone and um, it's it's one of the things that you it's one of the things that I look at if the quarterly report is uh, is filed uh, you know in the sec and uh, I I will uh, I will check it out and that's one of the things that I will control F uh, <laughs> to see if, uh, you know, how, how Credit Karma has done or how, you know, how, how the traffic from uh, Credit Karma uh, has become, um, you know, less in this case. But it's not something that I, you know, I lie awake at night uh, thinking about Credit Karma. It's, yeah, I mean, ideally you don't want to see that much of an influence coming from another company. But uh, at the same time, I don't... It, it's not a direct competitor. I don't see Intuit going into direct competition anytime soon or so. There are no signs of that and would be very strange because it would kill their 8.5 billion acquisition. So, um, yeah, it's, it's something to, you know, to watch, but not overly concerned. Yeah, Control F, that's the most important tool uh, for those <laughs> quarterly reports. They can save you so much time. If you don't use the Control F, uh, you're missing out. <laughs> All right, we've got uh, plenty more questions, but we're going to hit a quick ad break before we get to them. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Here you are, miles from home and ready to start your vacation. Good thing you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. They have free high-speed Wi-Fi to stream all your favorite movies. And in the morning, get fresh waffles with their free bright side breakfast. Or squeeze in a workout at their fitness center. Either way, you're ready to conquer the day. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you triumph. Book your stay at LQ.com. This episode is brought to you by KPMG. As a business leader, how can you innovate, build trust, and move forward in a digital era? KPMG can help by bringing together the right talent and technologies, generating insights that spark opportunities. To explore their thinking, visit read.kpmg.us slash opportunities. Okay, welcome back in. I, I wanted to know what your thoughts on management are. This uh, You talked about it briefly, but there's Paul Gu. Dave Girard, I think there's three founders, if I'm not mistaken. So what do you think about them? How important are they to your investment? Yeah, well, the third one is Anna Councilman. Um, and she comes from Google as well. Um, well, they are actually very important. I, I, it's, it's one of the things that if it wouldn't have been there, it's not a who gets really excited about uh, credit worthiness. I mean, not me. Uh, and, you know, not that many people, I think, but um, when I saw that uh, Dave Gerard came from Google and 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 a councilman as well, and when, uh, especially um, you know Gerard, he he um, he was the one who uh, uh, started, or uh, I'm not sure if he restarted, but he was there from the very beginning uh, with um, you know how is it called now Google Apps. Um, you know, the G Suite or whatever you want to call it. So the business side of Google, um, so with Drive and, and all the, the docs and, and what have you, uh, subscription service. And he has built that from, you know, the ground up to the billion dollar business that it, it was uh, already uh, several years ago before he said, you know, I, I want to do something for myself and uh, I want to, you know, I want to start my own business. And I want to solve a problem. And, you know, he thought really long about the most, the most annoying problem that he could think of. And, you know, uh, credit was definitely uh, an annoying problem uh, for him. And, and initially he, you know, he is a bit, how would I put it? You know, he, he, he's, um, he's not someone who stands out in a crowd. You know, you have very, Charismatic leaders, you know, they fill the room from the moment that they, you know, they are there. Dave Gerard is, you know, humble. I mean, I'm not sure if that is the correct word because if you listen to what he says, I mean, he says now, um, I'm sorry, when they had their IPO, work, worked with 10 banks. So, and then they, you know, I, I think they have 31 now. So in a year, they, they have tripled that. Uh, but, you know, he says he says things like, "I cannot imagine um, not working with hundreds of bank banks in a few years," uh, or um, you know, "I want to take this globally." So, if you listen to what he says, you know, he, he's very ambitious. At the same time, if you uh, he he's you know he, he's he he looks a bit like you know that professor that you. <laughs> That you once had, and then you thought, well, he was a, you know, a gentle guy and, um, you know, soft-spoken, and so he he has that side as well. And then the combination with Paul Gu is is you know is great because um, uh, and and a counselor. I'll I'll talk about her. Uh, you know, she's you know she's one of the first that is still underestimated, I think, in Upstart. But um, Paul Gu is a. Oh, no, he's, he's, he's brilliant. I mean, he, he's a, a Peter Thiel 2020 fellow. So, um, you know, he got into that program. He 
you know, he has a degree in economics and um, programming, I think it is, or from Yale. Um, and, um, you know, he, he worked at D. Shaw. So uh, D. Shaw is the same uh, quant um, company. So um, that, um, that Jeff Bezos worked for uh, before he started uh, um, uh, Amazon. Uh, and, um, you know, that's a collection of brilliant minds as well. So Paul Gu is that, you know, that guy that you think, oh my, this is, this is uh prodigal son. And this is, uh, you know, he, he's, he is the smartest guy in the room. You can be sure. Now, if you talk about Dave Gerard and, um, Paul Gu, I think without an councilman, they wouldn't have had the same success because uh, starting a company is more than just solving technical problems. It's also working with people. And that's, you know, um, you know she has been doing the HR uh, department. And I think that's very important. And she has been one of the um, driving forces uh, behind, uh, you know, upstart, going uh, fully digital uh, or I mean I mean um, telework then um, and and then um, I think at this moment 75% of the, the people working for upstart you know have never worked at the head office because you know the headquarters um, because they um, you know they, they only started after the pandemic started and that's you know, very important to understand because in that way upstart can really get the best talent from everywhere because if you are you know um uh the 6753rd um silicon valley um company that wants that same ai talent uh, well good luck if you're uh you're smaller right um so I think that's that's very important to understand as well. And I I have a few subscribers who are, um, you know, AI specialists, and and they say, and that's you know, I, I cannot, uh, you know, judge on that myself, but I, I believe them. I say that uh, they say that um, you know, Upstart um, really has top talent because. Um, a, you have AI and you have AI, right? Because uh, a lot of people call an algorithm AI because it sounds better now, nowadays. And, um, you know, there, there's a big difference between uh, an algorithm that can learn on its own because that's artificial intelligence, right? And one that, you know, just performs, you know, a regular job and, you know, um, automates a few things. Um, and... They say that Upstart really has, you know, top talent. They say that of one of my subscribers says of the of the 100 people that work in AI, one is really a, a, a great AI developer. Is that true or not? He says that the rest are just people, or not not everybody. You have skills, of course, but a lot of people working in in AI don't have the specific training to create something completely new. You can discuss about that. I'm not 100% sure that is correct, but um, it's, it's something I, I think of. Um, and with, with, you know, Paul Gu, and, and, and I have named Dave Gerard now. I have named Paul Gu. I have named Anna Councilman. But those are also the three co-founders. And, you know, that may sound, you know, very normal, but it's, it's quite exceptional that three co-founders are still together after, uh, I think, 12 years now or so. Um, and I think that is because of the, the fact that they are completely different. Um, you know, Dave Jarrett had a lot of experience um, and he found out uh, the first time he, he met uh, Paul Gu, uh, he found out that the parents of Paul Gu were actually younger <laughs> than he is. Um, and then, um, you know, so, uh, Paul Goose is, is still very young. I think he's, I don't know, 30 now. Is he, is he already 30? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and then you have, a and a councilman who, who, who really has that, um, you know, 
talent for let's call it human connections and 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 that is often so underrated so the three co-founders are you know definitely part of my uh, investment thesis Right. And a lot of people talk about credit risk when it comes to Upstart, and they have a few of the loans on the balance sheet, like you mentioned, but how comfortable do you think as they scale, will they be for taking any of this stuff in-house? Have they talked about taking stuff in-house or do you think they're all going to make it more third-party loans? I cannot see them doing it anytime soon. So I don't think they will take credit more and more credit risk on their balance sheet because you know they really position themselves as as a, a tech company um, and not a you know semi semi bank let's call it. Um, so um, I think I think they um, I, you, you never know down the road maybe you know seven eight ten years out uh, maybe they 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 hit a speed bump and they they look into it deeper. But I I cannot see it coming anytime soon because, uh, you know, they still have so much, um, you know, potential market to gain, market uh, share to gain that, you know, for me, it would be a red flag right now. So I wouldn't, uh, again, unless it's, you know, it's a bit more because of a certain reason, what have you, there are always nuances, but if they would say, you know, we're becoming, um, you know, a big a big lender ourselves. I would not be. I think it would be re-rated very fast in their in its multiple as well. Because right now they are the attack company. At that moment, they're becoming another you know another lender, and and I think you know their valuation probably would go down. I don't know by seventy five percent or so. <laughs> so, right and. Let's get more into the some of the segments of their business. They just had the Prodigy acquisition in the spring. That seems to be going great so far. Can you explain what that company is and what opportunity it presents when combined with Upstart? Yeah. So um, they originate loans as well, but then car loans. So they are, uh, uh, you know, they are focused on car loans, and they they start actually with. Uh, the place where people buy cars, so car dealerships. So they are um, actually what um, Upstart is for banks. They are for car dealerships, and they, you know, they try to, you know, if if you buy a car, you don't want to pay too much attention to credit, right? right? Or, or um, to credit, uh, I mean, you just want a, an easy solution as, a, as a, when you when you buy. It. Uh, a car, and so you know most most um, loans are originated in the car dealerships. Now, um, again, you have the same mechanism that works uh, in um, in car loans than you have in personal loans. So, people defaulting means that, that other people have to pay to pay uh, extra credit risk to get uh, you know. To get some profitability for, uh, you know, the banks or credit unions or what have you. Now, um, what this means is, um, ups, uh, well, a project could, could even, and is already doing that, refinance uh, car loans at uh, a cheaper price and undercuts everyone on price on on APRs, um, and and uh, is already doing that now. Um, I think it's very early at this moment. Um, what I mean, so they have originated, I think, two billion. Um, Prodigy uh, has originated two billion in uh, car loans. It's very early in that sense that um, um, you know they're they're just starting out. I think some people already expect um, you know results in the next quarter or so. Uh, I, I think it will take time. At this moment, personal loans will remain the main business of Upstart, but I really like it that um, you know it's it's diversifying its uh, stream of revenue because um, I, I always have loved companies. Um, C, C Limited, for example, if you if you look at C, you have a more mature company in you know Garena there gaming division 
Then you have Shopee, which is already big, but still growing immensely fast. And then you have more or, more or less like a startup in C-Money. So those are the three divisions. And I, I really like that um, part that companies almost have startups in their own companies. And you have seen that with Google as well. You have seen that in Amazon. You have seen that in Apple. And those are really important signs for me that, you know, this company thinks over the long term. This is not something for, you know, next year. This is something for, you know, the next next decade. And then they will probably go into the mortgage market as well. And then uh, you have another, uh, you know, growth pillar for years to come. So that's that's what how a bit how I look at it. This is their internal startup that they have acquired um, because they already have some car loans, etc. But um, it's it's um, it's still small, and um, I think that Prodigy acquisition will uh, pay off immensely over time if you know if they play it well. You mentioned mortgages. Have they made any moves yet into that business? And then how how important do you think that business can be long-term? Well, they have officially announced it on the last uh, earnings call that they will go into mortgage. So they um, they will work on it in 2022. So what work on it means is not that clear. Uh, I, I don't expect them. Uh, maybe they could launch something, but, you know, again, very early stage, more to test the waters to see how their AI performs in that market, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's something which will, you know, take time uh, to work out, but it's a huge market. I mean, uh, if you look at um, mortgage in total in the US, it's 11 trillion. I mean, that's, uh, I, I don't know, but I, I cannot even think of how big that is. Um, you know, it's it's so huge, uh, and you know what they say: if you, if we can take one percent of that market, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking, but I'm sorry, it doesn't say that. But um, you know, it, it's a, it's a huge opportunity, and I think that uh, there as well, if they can if they can uh, you know break that code um, of bringing down the defaults a lot or. Um, you know, um, Dave Jarrett talked on the, the, the conference call about um, um, the missing million. And he said, if you look at 2001, so way before um, the financial crisis, which, you know, came because of a housing bubble, as we know. Um, but 2001, there was no bubble yet. And if you look at 2015, you see that there are one million uh, fewer uh, more uh, people who have mortgage, um, and that is because of you know um, the fact that um, it has become much harder to get a mortgage. Even you know not just because of the uh, you know as 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 coming back to earth after after the um, you know the the housing bubble, but you know it's there there are still um, there's still a big gap. Uh, if you compare to before uh, the bubble started forming. So he says this is a great potential market. And if they can do the same thing there for those people. Um, and I think, I mean, um, you know, you can't, you can't be very cynical about um, upstart saying, you know, it's credit and they're, you know, they're just interested in money. But I, I believe Jared, also because he 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 talks, you know, the, um, Upstart is, is is part of uh, charities, uh, you know, to, to give more people, uh, um, you know, access to credit because it can change their lives, right? I mean, it, buying a house is is you know so important for so many people, and you can be you know can be cynical uh, about that, but I mean, you really change the life of, of people who cannot buy cannot afford a house right now because they're they're not granted a loan. And if Upstart wants to, the people who deserve the loan, despite, you know, certain things that have happened in the past, it's not about the past, it's about the future. And and they want to, 
you know, to energize that potential in the market um, of, you know, addressing uh, those people and uh, giving them a mortgage uh, loan as well. And and I think, um, and it's interesting to see that, you know, um, uh, if you look at, you know, the terms uh, or the periods, it's, it's getting longer and longer, right? And uh, first, you have personal loans now, um, which are, you know, short term. Then you have car loans, which are already, you know, it's called a medium term. And then you have mortgage, which are long term, 25 years, 30 years or so. And I will also over time stabilize, you know, the predictability of, uh, of the revenue of uh, Upstart. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think um, if, if Upstart can do the same thing, uh, connect uh, people who want access to the market um, or to mortgage and cannot get one, and, um, um, you know, the, the, the institutions who want, you know, who want to lend out money but who are afraid of defaults, if they can be that efficient, connected be- between those two markets with both or, you know, uh, two parties with both their own, uh, you know, desire and, and, and make, make that, a, you know, uh, a great match. Um, for both parties, I think they can do extremely well over time. But again, it's very, very early. And I think people underestimate sometimes how how early uh, Upstart uh, still is. It's it's almost a startup. <laughs> I had to say it. Um, and um, I, I think um, it's it's extremely early. And that's also something typical, you know, the the, the the concentration on credit karma, you see that in early companies. Um, I think it's, um, um, you will see with those new markets, you will see that Upstart will, you know, will change dramatically as a company itself as well, I think. Okay. So it will become mature. Right, right. And let's do kind of a backwards question into a valuation discussion. Uh, upstart in some ways is to trying to dethrone FICO, which, you know, if anyone doesn't know, that's credit scores. Uh, but they already have approximately twice its market cap. How do you think Upstart can fulfill these high expectations over the next decade? And do you think that comparison has merits? Um, no. <laughs> Why not? Because it's all about revenue, of course. Um, and if you look at the revenue of FICO, it's not because it's so much older. Um, I, I think if you look at uh, 2022, so next year, uh, I think the, the revenue of, of Upstart is, is uh, you know, is estimated to be 10, 15% lower than that of FICO. I mean, that's not such a huge gap and of course um you know um last quarterly results uh, for fico the revenue was down 10 percent. you know if it was up in, in the quarters before it was single digits i mean of course upstart is expected to grow faster and, and it's uh, it's normal that a, a company that grows faster um you know gets a, a higher multiple as well um and, and also you cannot really compare the two i mean it's it's a bit like Saying, um, um, you know, you, um, uh, Google, Google at the time, right? Google wanted to replace Yahoo. So, does it make sense that it already has a bigger uh, market cap than Yahoo? Well, yes, because there are so much, there are so much more potential. Uh, I mean, um, if um, if Upstart. Uh, you know, can, you know, really break the, the new markets that it goes into and, and you know, be successful there as well. I think uh, it could still um, 10x and, and maybe more. You, you, I think um, there's a lot of confusion about the actual model, but I, I, I think that Upstart is um, some sort of toll booth, MasterCard, Visa, type of company or it, it has that potential it is not that company yet let's that let's make it clear but it could become that type of company that uh if you want as um you know if you if you have loans and you want to go into that uh, market and you do not have it you have a disadvantage i mean 
Um, and in that way, you know, it's the same thing. Um, the, the, the take rate will be very low. I mean, for Visa, MasterCard, it's, you know, what is it, 2% or so. Uh, and I think it will be the same thing for Upstart. Um, but if they can continue to add new partners, to add new markets, I mean, the potential is huge. Of course, there's always execution risk. Um, you know, the company has has to do uh, everything perfectly uh, or perfectly. You know, the general picture has to be perfectly. There can always be mistakes. Every company makes mistakes. That's that's normal. But, um, you know, the, the, the execution should be very uh, or will be very important. And I think if you look at uh, what Dave Jarrett has already done there, if you look at his past, uh, you know, um, Google and Google Apps and G Suite and what have you, I think um, I think that is an extra sign that this guy knows how to execute, and that is also something that you know gives gives me confidence. Of course, it's it's no guarantee. Um, you know, there are lots of examples of very very smart people who have proven themselves in the past who still screw up, but um, it, 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 nothing is certain in investing, of course. You, you look for a probability and, um, and you look for factors that can improve that probability in your advantage, right? Right. And I mean, if you're betting on a guy that built Google Drive, I mean, that's, you know, one of the best products out there. Uh, but sorry, Ryan, do we have one more last question? Yeah, last question. I guess, how could this investment go wrong? What are sort of the biggest risks uh, associated with it? Yeah, well, um, I think the biggest risks that are named now are, you know, the the traffic from a credit camera and, um, you know, the fact that um, a lot of the loans are sold to just, you know, two banks and mostly Cross River Bank, which is, a you know, a bank... Uh, which I think is really visionary. I have been saying for years, and, and this is not my original idea. I got it from uh, Unscaled by um, Heman Tunisia, which was a quintessential book for my investing. Um, um, you know, in, in that book, uh, Heman Tunisia says that uh, he, um, he sees the future of finances as a completely different, uh, completely different from what you know, um, and he he compares it to telecommunications. So, you know, you had the big players, you know, the the hardware and the, the lines, and and then you have uh, the internet, right? And if you look at the internet, you know, boom in in two thousand, a company like you know Intel, uh, for example, or um, AT and T uh, had huge valuation. Uh, valuations but could never you know really return to those kind of valuations right um because if you look at um the the history of the internet you see that probably the best time to start investing uh in in the internet was 2010 okay that had a bit to do with the crash as well but even if if you started 2012 2014 2000 2016, and you saw what was happening, um, the the real value was in the, uh, you know, the, the, the products built on top of that infrastructure. If you make that comparison with um, banks, um, banks will become the infrastructure and not, uh, you know, the ones who take the huge profits anymore. They will, they will, you know, they will, they're, um, they will have re- reliable uh, revenue. Uh, why? Because uh, if you see one thing that you know how has continued is that there's more and more regulation for banks, so they will become more and more regulated, and the real value will be built on top of their infrastructure, namely fintech. And Upstar is one, Square is one. Uh, you, you know, you know the names. There, are, there are plenty out of there, out there, and you know some will be huge, and others will, you know, go away uh, probably in a few years. But um, there will be huge winners there. And I think the biggest risk um, is not the fact that um, for Upstar at this moment they, they have, you know, 
revenue concentration or, or uh, you know, traffic concentration. The biggest risk is that another, um, you know, um, startup <laughs> um, would come and, and completely um, have a better model, um, work better with the banks. Uh, I don't know. So, and, 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 you know, you never know, maybe that company is already out there. Um, so if, if we talk about AI, sometimes it's, you know, a small difference can make a huge difference in the end. And I think that that is the biggest risk to, uh, to observe that it would be uh, disruptive. As simple as that. Okay. Well, that's all the questions we have. Um, I guess for any listeners that have, haven't heard you before, where can they find you? Well, they can find me on uh, Seeking Alpha. I uh, publish free articles there. So if you go to From Growth to Value on Seeking Alpha, you can read my free articles. Um, if you are more interested, you can go to my marketplace, Potential Multibaggers, um, which has, of course, more content and uh, portfolios and chat and what have you. Uh, you can always find me on uh, Twitter if you're listening in car right now. Uh, maybe that... Uh, message is a bit to then you just have to remind at from value and you go to my uh, pinned tweet and you'll see everything as well right and we'll make sure to link that in the show notes and we can attest to it the write-ups on potential multi-baggers are very thorough and they're great analysis so thank you all right yeah thanks for uh thanks for joining today chris it was a pleasure thank you very much for having me all right that's going to do it for this episode thank you all for listening remember we are not financial advisors Anything we say on the show is not formal advice or recommendation. Ryan and I are general partners at Arch Capital. Arch Capital clients may hold securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.